For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. I started the breakdown because I wanted to have a space where I could kind of unpack and explain complicated truths and break them down in a way that I really just didn't see being done in the mainstream media. But sometimes you see somebody or you hear somebody who breaks down an issue even better than I did. And just a few minutes ago, I heard Trevor Noah. He had a segment after the show this past week. And uh, that's where he's just speaking to the audience. Like, the show is not filming, and he's just engaging the audience. And sometimes some of his best moments are in that space. And there's a moment where he tries to unpack and explain this horrible new audio of Mike Bloomberg that's been released. I want to play the clip of Trevor Noah. I'm going to also play the clip of Mike Bloomberg, and I'm going to explain them both. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. Now that Mike Bloomberg has entered the race, I see a lot of people around the country, including black folk, somewhat confused why someone like me or someone like Charles Blow, who is one of the leading writers for The New York Times, why we're so angry with Mike Bloomberg, what our beef is. And I've had to tell some people, hey, don't listen to me. Listen to Charles Blow. Like, if if you think I'm too biased to listen to on this issue, listen to somebody else who who knows. If you don't listen to me, listen to New York City public advocate. And for those of you who don't know, that's that's an elected position in New York, a citywide position. Listen to Jumani Williams the New York City public advocate, on the real damage and harm caused by Mike Bloomberg. And part of the reason people aren't understanding the beef with Stop and Frisk is the name Stop and Frisk. It sounds a lot more sterile and a lot more basic than it actually is. In the 12 years that Mike Bloomberg was mayor of New York City, over 5,081,000 stops were made, not of people who committed crimes. I'm not talking about pulling people over for traffic tickets. I'm talking about people who were just stopped because of the way they looked, the zip code they lived in, where they walked, not because they did anything wrong. 5,081,000 times. And during those 12 years, many experts have commented on this. New York City was like a de facto apartheid state that if you were black and Latino, black or Latino, and you were walking in your own neighborhood or you could be in Wall Street or you could be in Times Square, there was a high likelihood that you were going to be stopped when we say stopped and frisked, we don't just mean stopped and patted down. 
You might be slammed against a wall, and we'll get to that in a second. You might be thrown over the hood of a car. You might be slammed onto the sidewalk. Like, it was a brutal situation. And so many of my friends have come forward with their own Bloomberg story to say it happened to them. My family and I did not move to New York City, thankfully, until the year after Bloomberg left office. And I want to play a segment of Trevor Noah on The Daily Show. And it was a brilliant, transparent moment where he's just speaking his heart. Uh, The Daily Show was filmed in New York. Trevor, like me, moved to New York after Bloomberg had already left office. But he breaks it down and keeps it real in a way that I really want you to hear. And I'm going to interrupt Trevor a few times as I play this segment. This first part is him setting it up. Let me play it for you. You know, the the biggest issue I think I have and many other people have with Mike Bloomberg and how he's defending his stop and frisk record is that he doesn't seem to know what he's defending. And that, that for me, is a problem. You know, he goes, oh, I, I apologize for the policy. And people are not are not as angry about the policy, I think, as how the policy was targeted. Because for so many years, especially in America, black people have said, hey, the police are targeting us just because we're black. They treat us like we're all criminals. They're not just trying to go for criminals. And what would people say? The people, oh, you're overreacting. Cops are not just going to throw you against the wall. You must have done something. And I can imagine for a long time, for many black Americans, it must have felt like being gaslit. You know what's happening to you. You say what's happening to you, and people are like, that's crazy. And I can imagine how, for many white people in America, they're like, that is crazy. You just got thrown against the wall? Why? You must have been doing something. Because white people are like, I've never been thrown against the wall. That, that would never happen to me. What, what? You just got thrown against the wall? That's it? I see cops all the time. I say, hello, officer. They say, hello, sir. And then I keep walking. So right there, you might have heard Trevor say, I think I counted four times, he says something about black folk, black children, black boys, black men, being thrown against the wall by police. And he's not using that phrase flippantly. It's because a 2015 audio, which was three years after Mike Bloomberg left his term as mayor, uh, the policy of stop and frisk was ruled by the federal courts to be unconstitutional. He was forced to stop it. And anywhere and everywhere he could go, he was defending it including in 2015 at the Aspen Institute, which is this uh, snooty think tank where he was invited. And he told the organizers of the Aspen Institute that he refused to be filmed and that they could not share the video. And he told them that because he knew exactly what he said there. And he said a few things, and I'm going to play one little clip of it right here. This is him speaking about his defense of stop and frisk, but he then openly says something we have never heard him say before, something we assumed to be true, but now we know it to be true. He says, listen, a part of stop and frisk is throwing black boys and men up against the walls. Listen. This is one of the unintended consequences is people say, oh my God, you are arresting kids for marijuana that are all minorities. Yes, that's true. Why? Because we put all the cops in the minority neighborhoods. Yes, that's true. Why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. And the way you get the guns out of the kids' hands is to throw them against the wall and frisk them. 
That clip and another one that I'll play here in just a few seconds was part of a a speech that he was giving at the Aspen Institute, where again, he told people not to record it, but somebody in the room recorded it. And it had actually been on YouTube for the past five years. But Mike Bloomberg wasn't running for president. And when you're not running for president, people don't scrutinize your record. They don't scrutinize your history, your speeches, your talks. They don't scrutinize the fact that, and you may have seen this, that over his career, 64 different women have filed 40 different lawsuits against Mike Bloomberg for sexual harassment and discrimination. He lost most of those lawsuits. And so, you know, he is now getting the scrutiny that he deserves. And this speech from him at the Aspen Institute comes out where he is saying, listen, you know, we put all of our police in black and brown communities and we throw the kids against the walls. And what's happened over the past few days is those kids have started to tweet. Those kids have started to speak about their experiences of being brutalized, of being beaten, of being groped, of having their 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 genitals grabbed and touched and searched, of being strip searched, of being beaten, of being wrongly jailed at Rikers, of being harassed over and over and over again. And it wasn't just boys and men, it was girls and women, it was black and brown people all over New York City. Unless he say, hey, this made New York safe. He wasn't doing this at the height of the so-called war on drugs or at the height of gang wars. He was doing this at a time where crime was already down. And he did it just exclusively in black and brown communities. He wasn't doing this in the Upper East Side. He wasn't doing this to patrons in Central Park. And he references there how so many hundreds of thousands of black and brown children and adults were arrested and incarcerated for weed. And he says, listen, that's because that's where all the crime was. No, every study ever done shows that white folks smoke weed at the same rate and sometimes even higher rates and do all types of recreational drugs, but they're never busted for it because you're not putting the police there. And the proof that the so-called stop and frisk policy, which was just a, a, a new Jim Crow policy, the proof that it did nothing to make New York safer is that after he left and in the eight years that he's been gone, New York has gotten safer and safer and safer every single year. And I've been living here in New York for those times. But let me go back and play for you the rest of the segment of Trevor Noah. It's it's brilliant. It's painful. It's deeply insightful. Here we go. He's got thrown against the wall. That doesn't make any sense. And I can ima- And then a lot of black people were like, you white people are being racist because you don't. And white people are like, that is insane. Cops will not just throw. And I can see how people have lived in these worlds for so long. And then now you have audio of Mike Bloomberg saying, and that audio for me, if you break it down into pieces, has so many issues with it. First of all, the fact that he says, if you look at criminals and, 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 and victims of crime, et cetera, you can Xerox You can just copy and paste it and put it out. It shows me that you didn't even care about the differences between black people. You made it seem like black is crime when in fact black is most affected by crime. That is the thing that you did there. Let me play that clip that Trevor is referencing here where Mike Bloomberg says you can just Xerox the M.O., the the description of who is committing murders and who is being murdered. And they are routinely black and brown 
people between the ages of 16 and 25. That's not true. Let me play the clip. Murders and murderers and murder victims fit one MO. You can just take the description of Xerox it and pass it out to all the cops. They are male, minorities, 15 to 25. That's true in New York, it's true in virtually every city. And that's where the real crime is. You've got to get the guns out of the hands of the people that get killed. So you've got to, if you want to spend the money, a lot of cops in the street, put those cops where the crime is, which means in minority neighborhoods. So right now, as I'm speaking to you, I am looking at the FBI website on all of their stats on murders, about 44% of all of America's murder victims are white. 44%. And not only are 44% of all of America's murder victims white, about 44% of everybody who commits murders are white. I'm looking right at it right now. So when he says, when Bloomberg says 90 to 95% of all murders and all murder victims are black That is not only a stereotype, a trope, not only is it offensive, it's a fabrication. It's not true. It's not true for New York City. It's not true for the country. It's not true for New York State. It's not true from coast to coast. And so when he says, here's why we do it, because 95% of all murders and all murder victims, it's just not true. Now, let me get out of the way and play for you the rest of this um, moment from Trevor Noah. All right. Beautiful, powerful moment. I'm grateful to him for having it. The fact that people don't seem to realize the ramifications of treating people like that. Imagine if you are a black kid living in Mike Bloomberg's New York City. Every day, you're getting frisked and thrown against a wall, huh? put over the hood of a car every day. This is what cops are just, this is your life. Now, imagine if you are a black kid who lives in this world. A cop gets you, pulls you, throws you into all. You got something you... No, you carry... Next day, it happens again. Maybe next week, maybe next month, whenever it is. At some point, what do you say? Fuck the police. Yeah? And then you get people like, why don't you respect the police? Why don't they respect me? They don't protect and serve me. These people come and throw me against the wall and treat me like a criminal. You know what I mean? And then what does that kid do one day? They see the cops, they go, screw this. I'm not staying around for this. They run away. The cops pursue. Now they catch you. What are you? You're, you're evading arrest. You're resisting arrest. Now you get arrested for resisting arrest. Then you go to jail. You can't afford bail. Now you're in prison. What does prison turn you into more likely than not? A criminal, right? And even if you don't become a criminal because of that, you are still in the system now. We've seen how these kids get locked up. They can't afford to come out. Now they are living a life of crime without being a criminal. And then you're just like, oh, but these kids spend all their time in jail. How did they get to jail? Why were you running from the cops? Because I was tired of being thrown against the motherfucking wall. (laughs) I'm not going to stick around for that. I remember that in high school. I didn't wait. The bully came and I was like, oh, shit. And I was gone. (laughs) I wasn't going to stand there and be like, yeah, well, well, good afternoon, bully. Uh, Nice to see you again. Different thing today. Yes, are we going to talk this out? No, at some point you knew the bully was going to do what he's going to do. So you ran before they even got to you. And then people are like, why are these kids running away? They don't respect the police. But do the police respect them? And that is something no one can deny. If you've ever been in a rich neighborhood specifically, not just a white neighborhood, but a rich neighborhood, you will see the relationship that police have with those communities. It's very different. Because they know if they throw the wrong person, search the wrong person, frisk the wrong person, that person knows someone powerful enough to make sure that their job is in danger. And those are the dynamics that you're dealing with here. So my problem with Mike Bloomberg is he's not saying, I'm sorry for targeting black people. I'm sorry for treating black people like second-class citizens. I'm sorry for gaslighting black people for so long. No, he's just like, I'm sorry that stop and and frisk happened to affect 
black communities. And it's like, no, it didn't happen to you designed it to. I'm glad you had a chance to hear those last few minutes of Trevor Noah, which I just thought were brilliant and personal and insightful, coming from a man who not only grew up in apartheid South Africa and experienced what it meant to 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 be in that country during a, a harsh time in its history, but now lives in New York in the 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 throes, the aftershocks of Bloomberg's New York. I just thought it was it was brilliant and I wanted you to hear it. And it's deeply insightful because it shows that you could do something that awful and then just step up and run for president like you never did it. And I'm disturbed by that. We have to be smarter, we have to be sharper. We have to to know our history and understand who's actually running and what they stand for and who and what they stand against. But let's keep on pushing. Let's keep on thinking. I appreciate each of you, of course. Thank you so much to our senior producer for each and every podcast. My homie, my my friend, my brother since kindergarten, Willis, we appreciate you for your hard work on this episode of course, thank you to Lysandra, our podcasting director, who makes so many of the mechanics and uh, so much of what goes into the complicated nature of all of our podcast work. Thank you, Lysandra. And, of course, to Tone, to Miri, uh, to Ray, to so many others for their hard work on this and every episode. Take care, everybody. Break it down. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's.